Hallelujah. Let's just praise the Lord for a moment. Shilavandra brasu taramando, fara brasi taralamaranke, fire of the Holy Ghost. Vlandra brando ramarando, shilavastara gafala marante, friendre brondo rala maro kora dera bore, frandra brasa taramando, vastarala preverende. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Most High God, we come to you today through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for every life in this place here today. Lord, you've sent me here for one night and if I've come for just a few people that are hungry, that are starving for a touch from God. Lord, I pray every person here will not be left the same. Let your word go forth like a hammer. Let it break that which needs to be broken. And Lord, I even take authority even now over every sickness, every disease, every demonic oppression are come against you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. We may be seated. I feel the Holy Ghost. Wow. What an honor it is to be in Amsterdam. God's been doing great things. You know, we've been traveling across the UK and Europe for the last few years now. And we're just seeing so many giving their lives to Jesus by encountering the power of God. So friends, today I'm just going to go straight into the Word. Today I'm going to preach about the fire of the Holy Ghost. Because we need power. We need the power of God. Every Muslim I've seen come to Christ has not been through argument and debate. We can argue for hours and years, but when the power of God turns up, friends, the argument is done. Hallelujah. Honor you, Pastor. Thank you for having us. I just believe God is going to touch lives. You see, friends, this isn't just about the person on the stage. God's going to use people in this place. I'm talking to the young people, the middle-aged folk, the elderly folk. God can use you. When the fire of God comes upon you, friends, he'll use you. And I've not always been on fire for God. I've not always been in the ministry. Friends, there was a point in my life where I was really on fire for the devil. Just living a violent life. And I found myself at 19 years old on the way to prison for eight years. And friends, I was broken. I was empty on the inside. I was starving. And I thought my life is over. I'm going to go to prison and that's it. And it was while I was on bail that one of my friends who lived a few doors away from me, so the big court case is going to happen in a few weeks' time. And my friend says to me, Daniel, I know someone who can get you out of this mess. We were just in a kitchen in North London. I said, who can help me? He said, Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest, I laughed in his face because I've heard about Jesus. I have family that are Catholic. 
So I heard about the baby in the manger. I've got friends that are Muslims. So I heard about who they say Jesus is as a prophet. See, I heard about Jesus, but I didn't know him. I had information in my head, but no revelation in my heart of who Jesus actually is. And friends, listen, listen. Friends, we can be in a place where we know about God, but we don't know him personally. And Christianity is all about friendship with God, relationship with God. You see, every other religion is about what you do, do, do. But Christianity is about what has been done, done, done. Every other religion is about human beings trying to get to God. But Christianity is God coming down and reaching the human being. And friends, I was there in the kitchen and my friend shared with me about Jesus. And I laughed in his face. But then he said to me, God is my father. And God wants to know me and I need to know him. And I'll be very honest, I had earthly family that have almost rejected me because I've let them down. I've dishonored them. And sometimes friends will let you down. Close family will even let you down from time to time. But he was telling me about a God of love, a God of grace, a God who wants friendship with me. And friends, sometimes when we've got food in our belly and a roof over our head, we don't want to be hungry for God because our flesh is satisfied. But I hit a point in my life where it was the darkest point of my life. And friends, in that position, when you're in the lowest point, you'll go beyond your five senses and cry out to God for a miracle. And that was me. I just said, God, I'm hungry. God, I need your touch. God, I need your fire. Please get me out of this mess that I'm in. And I remember I was sitting on the train on the way to the court case. I was sitting on the train and I was reading a Christian book. This book was by a man called Smith Wigglesworth on faith. I was reading this Christian book, friends, before I was reading the Bible. I just got a hold of a book and I was just eating it and eating it and eating it. I was hungry. And as I was sitting on the train on the way to the court case, I was crying out to God. I was saying, God, please help me. God, I need you. But Lord, nevertheless, let your will be done. If you want me to go into prison, I'll go into prison and I'll evangelize. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. And then I was reading in this book a scripture, Mark 11, 22 to 24. You don't have to go there. Just listen for a second. And that scripture says, speak to the mountain and cast the mountain into the sea. So here I am speaking to God, saying, God, please move the mountain. But I'm reading the word of God and God is telling me to speak to the mountain. So just with childlike faith, I just spoke to that mountain and I said, listen, you court case, I'm speaking to you. Don't look around. Listen, look at me. Don't get distracted. The word of God is going out. And I'm here because I believe people are going to get touched with the fire. See, I'll be honest. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to fill my ministry schedule. 
I told pastor yesterday, people think success is when you're busy. If you've just got a busy schedule, then that means you're successful. One minute, let me finish. Friends, being successful isn't just being busy. It's success is about impact. Seeing souls saved, seeing the sick healed. Joseph said this, he said, the Lord was with me and I am a successful person. See friends, it's not about what you have, but who you have. It's not about the materialistic items you have or the amount of money you have. It's about Jesus and being with him and him being with you. And friends, I'll be very honest. This is very serious to me coming here because I'm here on a mission. I believe Amsterdam can be shaken with the power of God. I really believe it. And friends, anyway, I'm on the train now. And I speak to this court case. I said, listen, you court case, I'm speaking to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, move right now. I don't care what the judge says. I don't care what the piece of paper says. According to the word of God, in Jesus' name, move right now. And you know, that's not pride. You know when you say you don't care what the judge says or you don't care what the piece of paper says. Sometimes it's pride to not listen to what this word says and not act on what this word says. Sometimes that's false humility. Oh, I have to respect the judge. I have to respect the people. Listen, I respect the word. And friends, this word has power. This word isn't just letters on a piece of paper. This word is breathing. This word is alive. Friends, this word will touch you where a preacher can't touch you. This word will touch you where a doctor can't touch you. Friends, this word will, it's a sword in the spirit. And it will go down to the DNA level and bring healing, restoration and touch you. And friends, when I read this word, I like to just believe it without thinking twice. Because sometimes when the weatherman says something, we believe it straight away. Especially in the UK. Friends, listen. When the weatherman says it's going to snow, we get our coat on and we put our gloves on and we act on the words of the weatherman. We literally act. We act. Come on, let's be real. We act on the words of the weatherman. And how many of you know the weatherman gets it wrong? The weatherman misses the mark. But the point is we still act on the words of the weatherman. And when it comes to this word of God, we want to think twice. We want to process it through our brain. We want to process it through our past experiences. Friends, I'm here to let you know if God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. Just repeat after me. If God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. If God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. I spoke to that court case and I said, move in Jesus' name. Who do you think you are? You get out of the way in Jesus' name. And friends, I got to the court case that day. And the victim didn't turn up. The eyewitnesses didn't turn up. And it was like a miracle had happened. And I got home that day and I was in shock. 
my friends who were unsaved, they were in shock, and we were all partying and celebrating. But the next morning, I woke up, and the Holy Ghost was in my bedroom, and I was convicted of sin. I was convicted of sin, and I knew I need to repent. I need to turn away from sin. See, people don't want us to preach about repentance and turning away from sin. Friends, one of the things that will stop revival and a move of God is sin in the church. I'm going to be honest with you. And I repented that morning and I said, God, clean me up. God, I don't want to go out partying. I don't want to just use you when I'm going through a problem. God, I want to surrender to you wholeheartedly. I fell to my knees and I said, Father, I'm all yours. My friends can think I'm crazy. My family can think I'm crazy. But from this day, I'm going to follow you. And friends, a few months went by and I began just fully surrendering to Jesus. And my family, who are Catholic, from a Catholic background... They were holding a Catholic prayer meeting on New Year's Day. I'd only been saved a few months now. But I knew I have to go into that home and preach my testimony. And friends, I went into that living room and I let them finish. They were saying their prayers and doing what they're doing, their Catholic rituals. And I let them finish. But after they finished, I stood up. And I said, Jesus has changed my life. And they laughed. They thought this is a joke. But then we began to shout out, fire of the Holy Ghost. I don't know why. I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, let's all pray. And then I began just shouting, fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Ghost. About 20 times. Don't ask me why I did it 20 times. I'm just following the Holy Ghost. And friends, on 21 or 22, the atmosphere changed. I hadn't touched or laid hands on anybody. And on the other side of the living room, my 16-year-old cousin, who's been a Catholic all his life, was on the floor with the power of God going through him. Nobody knew what was going on. My aunties were trying to wake him because they've never seen the power of God like this. I'll be honest with you. I'd never seen the power of God like this. And my cousin went down under the power. My 20-year-old brother who was on drugs at the time went down under the power. Friends, my 70-year-old grandma went down under the fire. My 7-year-old cousin went down under the fire and he began having dreams of Jesus the same night it was like a little revival in the living room and I'll be honest with you I went home that day and I was in awe of God I was like God how have you used me I'm in my Nike trainers I'm in my jeans I haven't got no ministry certificates but I've got the fire I began to realize listen I don't want to be recognized by a man or recognized by a preacher. I want to be recognized in the realm of the spirit. There are, there are pastors and leaders out there. They've got the shiny suit. They've got the big Bible. They've got five certificates. But when a devil turns up in their face, they don't know what to do. Seriously. 
I want to be recognized in the realm of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And friends, I got home that day and I was in awe. I was like, God, wow. How have you just done this through me? And I began to realize God doesn't look at your skin color. God doesn't look at your age. Religious folk, they get nervous when a young person starts getting used by God. But friends, God doesn't get nervous. God loves flowing through his people. And I realized a man of God, I got home a few days later, and a man of God was coming into London. And I knew I needed to go there. I was starving. I was hungry. I'll be very honest, I wasn't even going to see the preacher. I wasn't going for the man of God. I was going for the Holy Spirit. I was going there for the fire. And I, I remember I got to the, the building where, where it was being held. And I was starving for God. I was saying, God, I'm not leaving this building until I receive your fire. And friends, there's something about God where he loves that holy stubbornness. You know when you're stubborn? When you're hungry, because God will touch you if you're hungry. God will touch you wherever you are. He'll touch you if you're in the Netherlands, if you're in the UK. If you've got a hungry heart, he'll touch you. He'll touch you if you're 15 years old, if you're hungry. He'll touch you, when you if you're 40 years old, if you're hungry. But friends, hunger moves the heart of God. I began to realize this very, very quickly because I was reading the likes of Smith Wigglesworth. I was reading the likes of these great revivalists and these great men of God. I was reading the book of Acts and seeing Peter and John moving in signs and wonders. And I said, God, what's this? I was reading about a type of Christianity that I wasn't seeing in the church of this day. I was reading about signs and wonders, not just in the third world, but in the Western world. I was reading about miracles breaking out. And I began to get hungry. I said, God, I want the real thing. I don't want to play Christian games. I want the real thing. I need your fire. I need your touch. And friends, in this service, something happened. It was like it was my personal day of Pentecost. I was starving. I was hungry. I was just like, God, I need you. I'm not just hungry. I'm starving. And friends, the fire of God came upon me. It was real. It wasn't just me getting excited and clapping. It wasn't just in my head. It wasn't emotions. It wasn't emotionalism. Friends, electricity went through my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. You know when you get pins and needles? It was like that throughout my whole body, where it was so strong that I could feel it on my teeth at the time. I could feel it on my nails at the time. It was tangible. It was thick. It was real. It wasn't just me lying on the floor. The power of God was going through my body. And it lasted for hours. And it gently lasted for a few weeks as Reinhard Bonnke laid hands on me. And I was commissioned into the ministry. But friends, as the fire came upon me, the same day, not six months later, not after I get married, not after I've gone to Bible school, 
Not after I've been ordained or whatever. The same day, we went out into the shopping centre, Westfield Shopping Centre. And I knew I need to release that which I've received. Because sometimes we get spiritually fat. We go to prayer meeting. Listen, friends, we can't go to five Christian conferences a year, four church services a week, read three Bible verses a day, listen to two worship songs an hour, but tell not one person about Jesus Christ. Friends, somewhere something down the line has gone wrong because my big brothers were crucified to stop this gospel from being preached. And I knew I need to get out there because if we have the cure to cancer, if we really have the cure to cancer in our pocket, but we're walking past cancer patients, something is wrong. If we're not giving them the remedy and the solution, something is wrong. But I'm here to encourage you. Because friends, the fire of the Holy Spirit isn't just a language. Some people think the Holy Ghost is a language. That when we say, you know, a few tongues, that's the Holy Ghost. Friends, listen, the Holy Ghost isn't an energy. He isn't a force. He isn't a language. He's a person. And when we encounter him, furthermore, when we're immersed and baptized in his fire, we'll never be the same. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands, and to the furthest parts of the world. The Holy Ghost comes upon you to give you power. That word power in the Greek is dunamis. The same word we get dynamite, explosive power, miraculous power, supernatural power will come upon you when you receive the Holy Ghost. But that power hasn't just come to give you a goosebump. If you get a goosebump, that's fine. Just gently, brother, please. <laughs> Friends, the Holy Ghost has come upon you for power so you can witness. Because friends, souls need to be reached. There are unbelievers that are suffering, that are broken. And the Christ in you may be the only Christ they get to see. You may be the first page of the Bible that they get to read. Sometimes people don't like messages like this. You know, I travel up and down the UK because this type of message puts a responsibility on the church. It's not just one of those messages that say, hey, everyone, let's be blessed. Hey, everyone, let's be rich. Hey, everyone, let's do... Friends, souls are perishing. And when we're 85 years old, what's in your bank account will not matter. When you're sitting in a chair somewhere, when you're 90 years old, friends, your certificates will fade away. Flashy cars will fade away. But what will count for eternity is did you know Jesus? Did you share Jesus? So friends, listen, let this touch you. Let this inspire you. Because this is why we're here. To release the fire, to bring a word that will edify you, mobilize you. Because Amsterdam needs reaching. Amsterdam needs shaking. And it's going to take Holy Spirit fire-filled saints to go and reach the people. 
Hallelujah. Friends, the same day as the fire of God came upon me, we went out into Westfield Shopping Center and the first person I see was a Muslim in crutches and I knew I had to go up to him. But I began hearing the voices just like everyone does. Oh, you're going to look stupid. You can't pray for him in public. We're not in a church building. He's a Muslim. He might get angry. But friends, I had to make a decision that day. I'm either going to act on these other little whispers or I'm going to act on the word of God. And friends, I decided to go beyond my five senses and act on the word of God. I just said, listen, I'm not here to debate with you. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm not here to ask you for a donation. I'm not here to force you to my church. But out of unconditional love and grace, can I pray for you? No strings attached. And his wife said, come on then, let's see. So just out of love, I just put my hand on his leg. I just said, in the name of Jesus, get out right now. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what your leg says. By the power in the name of Jesus, move right now. Leg, come alive right now in Jesus' name. And friends, right there, the man went for a run in the middle of the shop. As he got healed. Yeah, it was amazing. He came and grabbed me. He said, how on earth did you do that? I said, listen, my friend, that's Jesus Christ. And he loves you. And he's more than a prophet. And guess what? He didn't even debate me one bit. Because, friends, we can debate for hours. But when the power turns up, there's no need to debate. His eyes were watering, his heart was beating, and he encountered the Holy Ghost. It was amazing. From there, the journey begun, and we just haven't looked back. But friends, I needed that fire. And we've now traveled to over 15 countries and seen over 10,000 people come to Christ. And that's great. It's been incredible. We've seen blind eyes open in the UK. Not in another, in the UK. We've seen Muslims healed, not in a Christian setting, surrounded by Muslims, surrounded by sheikhs, okay? Muslims healed in them environments. Because friends, when the fire of God comes upon you, the atmosphere doesn't change you, you change the atmosphere. I don't care what's going on outside. And sometimes we're bold in the church, but we need to be bold outside of the church. If, you know, friends, I'm like this. If I'm going to a shop and someone says, oh, there's a flu going around, be careful. I don't receive that. I say, listen, I don't catch the flu. I kill the flu. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, friends, but I've been touched with the fire. And there are some people here today, the fire is going to come upon you. This, yeah, this type of message is radical. It's real. Because I've really experienced it. I'm not one of these preachers that will just preach and they don't even believe what they're preaching about. I believe it. I've seen it. And I'm still hungry. I've only seen a little bit. We want to see the dead raised in the Western world. Hallelujah. And we're going to see the dead raised in Jesus' name. The hunger. 
just grew and grew and grew. And that's when I encountered the fire. And friends, we need the fire of God. Even throughout this service, let that hunger just stir up in your heart. Say, God, I'm not leaving until your fire comes upon me. I may not have gone to Bible school, but Lord, I want your fire. I may only be a teenager, but Lord, I want your fire. I may have messed up a few weeks ago, but Lord, I'm ready to repent from my sin and be washed in the blood, and I want your fire today. I don't want to wait next week, Lord. I don't want to wait till the next conference. Lord, today, I want to receive your fire in Jesus' name. We need the fire, friends. We need it. I'm just going to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. You see, friends, hunger will move the heart of God. I'll take it from verse 21. Then Jesus went out there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came away and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. But even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. See, friends, what's happening here is this woman is hungry. This woman is saying, Lord, my child is demon-possessed. Please help me. And Jesus actually answers her not a word. The disciples are sending her away. But verse 24, Jesus said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus was saying, I've come for the Jews, I've not come for you. And on this side of the cross, because this was before the cross, on this side of the cross, Jesus was saying, I can't give you this right now. Obviously, after the cross, after the blood, after the resurrection, we know that this opens up to the Greek, the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. But at this specific time, Jesus was saying, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But this was her response, verse 25. It says, she came and worshipped him. Let's stop there for a moment. Friends, she was hungry. Jesus said to her, listen, not yet. But she didn't give up. Sometimes when God doesn't answer our prayers in five seconds, we go back into sin. We backslide into the world. But friends, this woman wasn't ready to give up. She wasn't ready to wait until after the resurrection. She wanted her miracle now. And the next word I find profound, listen to this. She says, Lord, help me. She doesn't say, Rabbi, help me. 
She doesn't say, Messiah, help me. She doesn't say, teacher, help me. She doesn't say, scribe, help me. She doesn't say, religious leader, please help me. She said, Lord, help me. She knew who he was. She knew this is the one that everyone's been waiting for. This is the one that's born of a virgin. This is the one who everyone is waiting for. And I'm not leaving this place until I receive it. She said, Lord, help me. And Jesus then again responds and says, it's not good to feed the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Verse 27, she says, yes, Lord. I love that. You see, because sometimes we make Jesus saviour of our life, but we haven't made him Lord. And there's a difference. Sometimes I know people that make Jesus saviour, they use Jesus as a ticket to heaven, but they haven't really made Jesus Lord of their life. And there's a big difference. Because friends, when Jesus is Lord of your life, it means you're surrendered. It means he's number one in your life. He's your Lord. It means that when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you look at is not your mobile phone. Friends, let me tell you something right now. The world system wants to program the next generation so their eyes are glued to their mobile phones. They're trying to make you robotic. Uh, mark my words. You'll remember the evangelist that came told you this. Robots will be walking around soon. I'm prophetically saying that right now. And we need to guard our children. We need to guard our young people. Because the enemy is designing certain strategies to keep us away from the things of the spirit. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't look at my mobile phone. I don't care what time it is. I don't care who's messaged me and who's not messaged me. I don't care who's following me on social media and who's not following me on social media. I'm awake for another day. I've got breath in my lungs. The first person I want to look at is the creator. The first person I want to commit my day to is my Lord and my Savior. Father, I thank you. I'm awake for another day. Friends, when he's Lord over your life, Jesus won't be some extra on the side somewhere. Where you've got your church community in one box. You've got your hobby in one box. You've got your career in one box. Then you've got Jesus Christ in another little box over here. Friends, he's not called to be on the side. He's called to be king of our soul. Master of our life. Friends, we're called to be surrendered. Hallelujah. One thing I love about the kingdom is there's no middle ground when it comes to the things of God. There's no sitting on the fence and being in between. In Matthew 9.17, it says you can't put new wine in old wine skin. Because the wine skin would break, then the wine would spill and it will all be messed up. In James chapter 1 verse 8, it says a double-minded man, a man who is double-minded is unstable in all his ways. Friends, in Revelation 3.16, it says you're either hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's Jesus Christ. 
And sometimes we don't want to read them verses. We want to just read about grace and love. And God is a gracious God. We know that. God is a loving God. We know that. But he's not playing games. He didn't demonstrate his love by a bunch of flowers. It took blood being shed to redeem you, to wash you, to set you free. Friends, the blood of Jesus Christ was shed so we can have access into the holy of holies. Friends, the blood of Jesus was shed so you who were once far away can be brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. Friends, that blood has power. And Satan doesn't like it when we start preaching about the blood. Demons don't like it when we start preaching about the blood. Because there's more power in one drop of the blood of Christ than all the power of hell. Hallelujah. That blood has lost none of its power. And that blood purchased me. That blood washed me. That blood set me free. And that blood brought me near when I was far from God. Friends, that blood will take you from death to life. That blood will take you from darkness to light. That blood will make, take you from being a stranger to being a child of God. Friends, if we repent from our sin, turn from our wicked ways and say, Lord, wash me. Lord, I run into your arms, cleanse me. And Lord, we don't stop there. We say, Lord, fill me with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I just needed to share that quickly. But friends, this woman was hungry. She was starving. She wasn't ready to give up. She wasn't ready to back down. And I believe that's what God's looking for in this generation. Warriors that won't back down. A bride that won't bow down when the enemy comes. Friends, I believe gone are the days of weak Christians. Christianity and Christians aren't called to be weak. We're called to be strong, not in our own strength, but strong in the spirit. I believe gone are the days when Satan goes boo and a Christian falls into sin. I believe gone are the days when Satan goes boo and the Christian crumbles. Gone are them days. I don't care if it's a doctor's report. We cancel it in Jesus' name. I don't care if it's a nightmare in the middle of the night. We bind that spirit in Jesus' name. See, friends, we're called to be strong in the spirit. And this woman wasn't backing down. And there's something about God where he loves that. When you don't back down. Where you don't give up. Because look what happens next. She said, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. See, she knew, I don't need the whole loaf of the bread. I just need a crumb because I know who you are, your Lord. And listen, I just need a little crumb and I know I'll receive my breakthrough. And verse 28, Jesus said, oh woman, great is my anointing. He didn't say that. Oh woman, great is my power. He didn't say that. Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. See friends, a few moments ago, Jesus is saying, now is not the time. But a few minutes later, 
He's saying, great is your faith. Your daughter is healed. Something happened in between. And what happened in the middle of that was a woman who had a hungry heart. A woman who's not going to back down. Who's not going to give up. She's going to receive that miracle that God has for her. And friends, you know what I really love about that? Is that she tapped into something that was reserved for another day. After the cross, this would have been for her. Salvation for the Gentiles and the non-Jews. But before the cross, she tapped into something that was reserved for another day. This is levels now in the spirit, but I'm just going to share this with you very quickly. Okay, Friends, when you're operating in tenacious faith, when you're operating through the fire levels in the spirit and you're operating in faith friends you can compress time because in the spirit realm there is no time and how many of you know friends before i'm a british man i'm a spirit man before i'm a human being i'm a spirit being some of you are thinking this is too much <laughs> but friends listen to me listen we may have been born through our earthly mothers but we've been born again through our heavenly father Hallelujah. We've been born again. I'm in the family of God. I'm in that membership and in that family. Friends, I'm closer to Jesus than I am to any other human being on this planet. Friends, I want to pray in the language of the Holy Ghost than more than the English language. That's how you gain in the levels in the invisible realm. Because friends, I don't know about you, but I want to be recognized in that realm. I remember I was going to the gym one day and the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly, brother, and said, Daniel, be more concerned about your size in the spirit than your size in the natural. Because did you know there are people in the natural, they're six foot tall and weigh 15 stone, but in the realm of the spirit, they are skinny. I'm just going to share this with you quickly. David and Goliath is a perfect example. The giant was naturally strong. But David was a young boy. He was just a shepherd boy. But he looked at this giant and he said, Listen, you giant, I know you're big and you're strong in the natural, but you are an uncircumcised Philistine. And I don't come to you today with a spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord. See, friends, David knew that he might, this giant might be big and strong in the natural, but in the spirit, he's nothing. And friends, there are levels in the spirit. And one of the, the beautiful things I love is operating in faith where you can even time is not a restriction. What do I mean by that? See, friends, when Jesus turned water into wine, they said, wow, you saved the good wine until last. But how many of you know good wine takes years and years to actually be expensive and tasteful? So what Jesus Christ actually did when he turned water into wine, he compressed time. Something that would take 20 years, he did it in 20 seconds. And friends, I'm here to let you know today that if the doctor is saying your miracle is going to take six months, I'm here to let you know in the next six minutes, God can touch you, God can set you free, God can deliver you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, friends, time 
doesn't restrict the Holy Ghost. Because listen, when this life is over and we step over to the other side, it's going to feel like a few minutes on the earth. It's going to be like I've woken up from a dream. And I'm going to look at my body and I'm going to be more alive than I've ever been. Because the spirit realm is more real than the physical realm. And sometimes, often, sicknesses and negativity going on is actually a reflection of certain things that are happening in the spirit. That's why, listen, I, I preach in so many churches up and down the country. Asian churches, white churches, African church. I just preach anywhere God tells me to go. And friends, I've gone to some churches, I'll be honest with you. Big churches with flashy lights and smoke machines, but no fire. And I'll be very honest with you, friends. A church can have a big building and flashy lights, but if the Holy Ghost and the fire isn't there, it's got nothing at all. I'll be honest with you. I want the Holy Ghost. I need the anointing. I need that fire. Friends, faith and tenacious faith, faith where you're hungry, you're desperate, you're not going to give up, that kind of faith moves mountains. That kind of faith will shut time down. Time won't hold you back. I'm telling you. I'm only 27 years old and we've seen over 10,000 people come to Christ. And I'll be honest with you. When I first got saved, people would say, Daniel, after one year, you will calm down. Daniel, after three years, the fire will just... And listen... I'm speaking to the elder generation for one moment, just as a young man in the next generation. That stuff doesn't help the younger generation coming through. Sometimes, rather than fathers raising sons, fathers are competing with sons. Honestly, and it's not good. I'm telling you, it's not good. You know, we need to encourage the youth, encourage the next generation and say, hey, 15-year-old, God can use you in the university. Hey, listen, 10-year-old, God can use you in your playground at school to see the sick healed. Friends, time is too short to play games. Because yesterday we were 10 years old. Tomorrow we're going to be 70, 80. And friends, this life is going to be over like this. And when we step over to the other side, I want to just get you ready and wake you up for that day. Because, friends, it's going to be too late when we're 80 years old or when we're 70 years old. While there's breath in your lungs, while there's blood flowing through your veins, number one, we need to be surrendered. We need to be yielded. We need to be near to the Father. And number two, we need to share Him. We need to spread Him. We need to tell others about Him. I don't care if it's, you don't have to shout on a, on a street corner. You share it how God leads you to share it. You can whisper it to someone. You can give someone a hug. You can shake someone's hand and say it. You can do it with love and grace. But friends, somehow, someway, just do it. Hunger for the fire of God. Hunger. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit, friends. Sometimes the church has become a referral system. Where if someone is depressed, they'll send them to a doctor. And the doctor will put them on drugs. 
I'm just going to share this as it is, friends. But friends, the church isn't called to be a referral system. The church is called to be a conduit of the power of God. The church is called to be a people that, listen, friends, because spiritual warfare isn't just during intercession. I love intercession. We always intercede as a ministry, okay? But that's not the only place spiritual warfare is happening. There may be a war zone going on in the Middle East somewhere, but we're in a war zone in the spirit. Okay, and friends, sometimes spiritual warfare isn't in your intercession closet. Sometimes spiritual warfare is in front of our face. You know, when someone is suffering with cancer, when someone is suffering with nightmares of demonic oppression, and friends, that's not the time to just play games. That's, that's war right there. The fight has begun. And I thank God we have the victory through the blood. We have the victory through the resurrection. See, when I come against sickness and disease, I'm not trying to fight the devil. The devil lost 2,000 years ago. He's been crushed. He's been defeated. So he's under my feet. So all I'm doing now is loving the person and telling that sickness where to go with authority, with the fire. And many folk want signs and wonders. I meet so many people that say, Daniel, how do you go up to Muslims and you see them get healed like this, etc., etc." But friends, I tell them, listen, that's not Daniel. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't got the strength. I haven't got the boldness. I'm just like you. I'm not one of these men of God that is just on the stage. I'm just like you. And I'm here to let you know God can use you on the streets. God can use you. Because, friends, the Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick. It doesn't say the evangelists will lay hands on the sick. If you're a believer, put your hand up right now. Hallelujah. Just look at your hands right now. Friends, these things at the bottom of your arms called hands aren't just there so you can eat good food. They aren't just there so you can be on your mobile phone. Friends, these things called hands are there so you can place them on someone who needs Jesus. So you can put them on a sick person. Because listen, a spirit-filled Christian laying hands on someone can make the difference between them living and dying. A spirit-filled Christian telling someone about Jesus will make the difference between someone going to heaven or someone going to hell. We need the power of God back in the church, friends. Flowing through the body of Christ. Flowing through the believers. See, friends, I want to let you know about the believer's authority. Not the prophet's authority. Not the archbishop's authority. The believer's authority. Me and you are believers. We're children of God, okay? We're filled with the Holy Ghost. God can use you. He'll use you and to touch people that I can't reach. I'm in another country. I'm in different circles. I'm never going to be in your workplace. I'm never going to be in your college or university. Friends, it's on you as children of God to win people to Christ. Hallelujah. Friends, but we need the fire. 
We need the fire of the Holy Ghost. If the early church needed the Holy Ghost, how much more us? Jesus told the disciples to wait and tarry in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And it was just Pentecost weekend that just passed us by. And I've just come directly from another ministration in Wolverhampton in, in, in England. And the fire of God fell so strong. And I know that it's by no accident I'm here in this Pentecost season. Because, friends, I believe that fire is going to fall in this place. I really believe it. I believe it. Thank you, you know, for them few. I just need a few of you. Because if behind the shouting your heart is hungry, your heart is starving, God will touch you. Let me tell you something. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost fell in the place. And we saw a different Peter. Peter denied Christ three times. We know that. One of the disciples that, you know, betrayed Jesus, he went on to kill himself. But one of the disciples that, that denied Christ repented. There's power in repentance. There's power in going back to Jesus when you've messed up. There's power in that. He'll receive you. If you turn from your sin, his arms will be open to you. Peter, he denied Christ three times, but he ran back to Jesus. When Jesus resurrected on the shore, the disciples went fishing on the shore, and Jesus appeared, and Peter jumped off the boat and swam to his Savior. How he must have felt. He just wanted his Jesus. And Jesus was there, and Jesus prepared breakfast for them. What a savior. There's no one like Jesus. He just denied Christ, and Jesus is embracing him and makes breakfast for him. And the restoration of Peter begins. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. He asks him the three questions, restoring the three times Peter denied him, and the restoration of Peter begins. But that wasn't the end of Peter. And the reason why I'm sharing that today, friends, because there may be people in this place that slipped up into sin, that backslid. You may be here right now, and you know you're not walking right with the Lord, but I want to let you know that it's not over for you. There's still hope for you. God can still use you. If you turn from your sin and repent and run back to Jesus, God will and can use you. He's just looking at your heart. He's just looking at the condition of your heart. Why do you want to be used? Is it for money? Is it so people can see you? Is it so you can stand on a stage? Or is it because you're in love with Jesus? Is it because you have friendship with Jesus where he's your bestest friend? Friends, that wasn't the end of Peter. In the upper room on the day of Pentecost, Jesus sent them there before he ascended into the heavenlies. And Jesus said, wait there, wait there, wait there. Don't just go out and preach. Just wait there because you need the Holy Ghost. You can't do it without the Holy Ghost. See, friends, we can't worship without the fire of the Holy Ghost. We can't do evangelism without the fire of the Holy Ghost. We need that fire. Every Methodist needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. 
Every Catholic needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. Every Baptist needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. Every theologian needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. We need that fire. Because, friends, Peter was a different person after the fire came upon him. He wasn't denying Christ anymore. People were looking at them after the Holy Ghost came on them. They were saying, wow, these guys are drunk. Look at them. They're praying in another language. Look at them. They're just getting touched by, you know, I don't know what. And then we saw a different Peter. Peter wasn't running this time. Peter was walking towards them this time. Hallelujah. And this is what Peter said, with a loud voice, men of Judea, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that, what the prophet Joel spoke, that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Friends, we saw a different Peter. A few chapters before, Peter's denying Christ. Now Peter is fearlessly preaching. Now Peter is going to the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But something had to happen. The fire of the Holy Ghost had to come upon him. Friends, we need that fire. Amsterdam needs the fire of the Holy Ghost. We need it. We need the fire, friends, because that fire will turn a lukewarm believer into a radical preacher. Friends, that fire will turn a timid Christian into a fearless warrior for Christ. We need that fire. We need the Holy Ghost fire. We need to be baptized in the fire. Luke 3.16 John said, I baptize you in water, but there's one mightier coming whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Some of us have, may have been baptized in water, fully immersed in the water. Because that's what baptism means, fully immersed. That's Luke 3.16 if you want to look that verse up. We've been baptized in the water, fully immersed. But there's a baptism in the spirit. There's a baptism in the fire. And friends, we need that baptism more than ever before. That's the baptism that will put power on your life. That's the baptism that will allow you to be in the ministry. That's the power that will allow God to flow through you. We need that fire. Everyone needs the fire. The next generation needs the fire. The Sunday school children need the fire. We need the fire, friends. We need it. We need it in our families. Because listen, friends, we need the power. I know people that have left church because they found power somewhere else. They've gone to find power through witchcraft. They've gone to find power through guns and knives and gangs. Because they haven't seen the power in the church. They've seen religion. They've seen a lot of talk, but no walk. They've seen a lot of, you know, theology. But you can be theologically sound, but spiritually bound. 
The Bible says in the last days, there will be a people, they will have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And that's going around in this day and age. There are people that look religious, they speak religion, but really the power of God isn't evident in their lives. And I believe more than ever before, we need the power. Because when we got born again, you know, I love this. In Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John, a couple of Pentecostals named Peter and John, are going for a walk. They've just been in a powerful Holy Ghost fire service in the upper room. And now they're going for a walk. And they walk past a man who's lame from birth. And the man looks up to them expecting to receive something from them. See, the man was expecting to receive a little bit of change, but he got new legs. He was expecting to receive. Something happens when you're hungry. Something happens when you're ready to receive. And it just so happened, while he was expecting to receive, Peter was ready to give. And he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the man was healed immediately. See, friends, when we got born again, you know what I love about that scripture? Peter didn't just give him the money like a kind human being. Because we're not just human beings. Be kind. Please be kind. We know that. Come on. We, we know that. But we want to go to the next level now. Peter didn't just give him money and say, here you go. You're asking for this. May you receive this. See, friends, when we got born again, we didn't get born into a charity or a charitable organization. When we got born again, we got born into the kingdom of God. And friends, Paul said... I don't just preach with persuasive words of human wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We need that power. But before the power comes, we need the Holy Ghost. We need His fire. Because I don't follow signs and wonders. We see signs and wonders everywhere, but I don't follow signs and wonders I follow Jesus and the signs and wonders follow us. Because the Bible says these signs will follow them who believe. The signs will follow us. We don't follow the signs. But friends, we need the fire. If we want God to use us in these last days, if we want God to just touch us, because listen, friends, we can't give out what we haven't got. If I haven't got it, I can't give it. When you receive the fire, when you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, only then can you give it out. Only then can you touch someone. Only then can you see the sick healed. Because if the disciples had to wait for the fire and for the Holy Ghost, how much more do me and you need the fire in these last days that we're living in? We need the fire. See, I've not come here to preach a five-point sermon and then give a conclusion and then say goodbye. I've come here with the word of the Lord to release the fire over a region, over a city, over a town. Hallelujah. We're here to shut down the principalities. We're here to minus the statistics 
of drug crime and prostitution. We're here to shut it down in Jesus' mighty name. Rise to your feet, church. Rambra